there's still one major fish for the Edmonton Oilers to sign this summer, and that's restricted free agent Darnell Nurse, the defenseman who has shown much promise on the back end, and who could very well blossom into a bona fide top two NHL defenseman. But right now, the Oilers aren't in a position to sign Nurse to a long-term deal, so look for them to come to terms on a bridge contract, something shorter term like two years and worth say three to four million dollars per season. And what else can the Oilers do to add to their lineup this summer? They'll add another player or two who can play in the NHL, and will look to add to their farm team in California as well. I'm Jim Matheson. I'm Rob Tichkowski. And I'm Craig Ellingson. We talk about these topics and more on the Oil Spills podcast for July 6th, 2018. Gentlemen, free agency is on and it's going full bore, but outside of the first day, not a lot of orders action. I mean, we had Brodziak, Tobias Ryder. Is it Reader or Ryder? Reader. Reader? I don't know. Sometimes I listen to how they pronounce names, sometimes I don't. And then I read it two different ways. And also Kevin Grapple, I can figure out how his name is pronounced. But obviously the big thing on the Oilers' radar now, or at least one of the big things, if not the biggest, is Darnell Nurse. And he needs to sign a contract before the season starts. What, tell me about that. What's, what, is, what is the thought process right now behind that? Thought process is they have no money to spend. So, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so will he sign a $700,000 contract for uh, a year? No, but I... I you know, unless he wants to take the same contract that that Oscar Kleffbaum and Adam Larson have, which is you know six years for four million dollars a year, uh, which they might be able to handle, um, he'll get a bridge contract. And, you know, three million a year, three three point two five for two years, and say sorry. You know, and in Darnell's case, I don't think he's quite proven what he is yet. Mm-hmm. I think last year he played lots of minutes. I don't know if he's a I don't th- know if he's a top pairing defenseman. I think he's probably a second pairing defenseman, so I think maybe they want to see you know another year out of him um before they they jump right in with a, a longer term contract and if he plays great again this year this is a test for him too. He's test driving the orders. If he pl- keeps playing well then the new long term contract won't be four million, it'll be higher than that. Yeah, I'd like to see with that one year out of him as well, just because, like you said, we're not really sure what he is. He's kind of trending up. He took a, a decent step last year. One of the few players who actually, you know, improved on his season from the year before. Uh, and if that trajectory continues, then then he can be in a really really solid bargaining position. Right now, he's it's, it's kind of iffy. You're not really sure what he is, how long you want to. You know, he's a good player, but to what extent? You know, you you, you want to, you know, you can't you can't back up the the, the Brinks truck even if they had money to give to him and, and you not really want to commit to that yet until you see for sure what he is so I think you know a bridge deal probably makes the most sense it might end up costing them in the long run because if he does you know take another couple of big steps forward over the next two years then they they will have to pay him a lot but then fine then he'll then you'll know what you're paying for and there's nothing wrong with that he's not it's not like he's, he's still very young you know and he's he hasn't played a whole lot of games as a defenseman yet and I think if he was an offensive defenseman, they'd be a little more 
likely to dive in and say, oh, this guy's a really good offensive defenseman. We need that. But he hasn't proven he's an offensive defenseman. He's, he's more of a shutdown guy right now. So mm-hmm. how much do you pay those sort of players? Yeah, what is that worth right now? Is that worth $6 million a year? Let's say two years from now. Let's say he does sign a bridge contract this year for a couple of years. Solidifies himself even more as a that shutdown guy. But is Darnell Darnell Nurse? He's I mean, he's not going to be your number one defenseman. He's going to be your number two at best, yeah, right? You would think, yeah, unless he does something, you know, really extrapolates on what he's done so far. But yeah, I'd see him as that three four guy. So so what are they worth? It depends on what you're paying your one twos, right, and who you have in those slots. They don't have a one two, either. right? So <laughs> they have a th- they already have a three four in. Clefbaum and, and you know Adam Larson on a on a contending team that would be your three four mm-hmm. on the orders it's their one two um, but there's there's no guarantee there either in terms of any of those players suddenly being a fifty to sixty point yeah uh, you get a two year look at Bouchard too to see if if uh, Evan Bouchard you know their their pick from this season to see what what he's all about and that could maybe shed some light. On a lot of different areas, maybe he could be your number one, and then you have a little bit of wiggle room on defense. Whether trade, keep deciding on on you know what you're paying these people because he'll still be on an entry level contract for 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 three years. So, uh, two year bridge I think is the smart way to go because I'm I'm still not exactly sure who Darnell Nurse is going to be. Now a bit of a footnote or an afterthought is Ryan Strom right now since he needs to be signed as well. Is that pretty much cut and dried as, as to what's going to happen with him? Well, he's got arbitration rights, but I don't think he's got a lot of no. a leg to stand on, much of a leg to stand on if he's going to go to arbitration and sell his, sell his season. I think he had 34 points. So, you know, he's, I'm sure the orders give him $3 million, and, but maybe they only want to give him $3 million for one year. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's looking for two or three. And I think he's another player. He came, he, I think they thought he would be a top six winger. He's a third-line center. So what do you pay third-line centers? You know. And how old is Strom again? Is he twenty? He's only twenty-four. Mm-hmm. He's he's still very young, but third-line centers don't make yeah. more than three million a year either. So yeah, um, uh, you know they. It's it's hard to believe they've got into the glue this badly in terms of their cap, so that they couldn't spend p- hardly any money at, on free agency, but you know, nibble around the margins and 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 pick up a fourth-line mm-hmm. center in Brodziak and. And a probably a third line winger and reader. Mm-hmm. He'd be a third line winger certainly on a contending team. He might be a second line winger on the orders, uh, and a seventh defenseman. So mm-hmm. they're not the only team. I mean, there's lots of teams that Chicago, you know, didn't do very much either. They needed another goalie, and they got Cam Ward, but they also, you know, they didn't exactly dive in either. And that's a three times Stanley Cup champion team. Yeah, at least they have their their. Budget constraints are on the heels of three Stanley Cups, whereas the Oilers are not even into their window yet. Uh, and it's, you know, the Flames get James Neal, the Oilers get Tobias Reeder, and that's a lot of that is cap management. It's, Chirelli hasn't made one gigantic glaring error. He's just been a little bit too generous on, on four or five different fronts. And, and at 500 grand here and a million there, there's the five or six million dollars you could have used to really land your first line right winger on July 1st, and they didn't get it. Like, does Chris Russell need four million? You know, does, could they have got Leon Dreisaitl for less than eight and a half? Does your backup goalie need to make two and a half? You could have saved five hundred grand, a million bucks in some of those instances, and there's your money. So, it, like the 
it's I know it's tough when when your top guys are one's twelve and a half, one's eight and a half, but you have to be smarter because of that. And and he's just been just throwing just a little bit too much to to a few people, and that's the reason they're in this situation where you know you look down, you're still looking down the right side, and there's not a whole bunch there, but you know a lot of finger crossing. Yeah, and, you know Eric Grabber too. I mean, mm. you know, yeah, wanted to be nice to the guy, and he signs a contract with that with the Devils. So, um, you know, obviously they're going to resign Strom, but would there ever be a time when the Oilers would look at a player like that and go, you know what, we're just not going to resign him. We don't see him as being more than a third-line center. And, uh, you know, he's an asset, he's young, but still, I mean, is the writing on the wall for a player like Riding Strom? We know what he is. I think he better play better this year yeah. than he did last year. You can say that about players every uh, year. I, mean, I don't yeah. think if, if they, they, they don't have enough forwards that's to, it. to tell Ryan Strom to okay. goodbye. They yeah. don't have enough forwards. But it's another situation. He's, he's playing center. Drysaddle's a center. Nugent Hopkins is a center. You know, Connor McDavid's a center. The easiest thing in hockey to find are wingers. You always got centers. They don't have wingers. Yeah. And most teams would die for the owner centers but they're looking at how how come you got no wingers and because they're easier to find a lot easier to find and you know i'm sure that people are saying you got to trade one of those centers to get either a winger or or high-end defenseman but you know yeah well strome picked it up a little bit down the stretch like he started terribly and i was looking at the lines for the season i think i was writing something on it and he played just about every position on just about every line during the course of the season. He was there, 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 center, right wing, left wing, second line, third line, fourth line, just all over the map. He couldn't really find find his niche, and he settled in a little bit, so they're hoping he can kind of get comfortable and continue that, although his track record has not really been one of consistency. But they, they're just so thin. They're so desperate for somebody to break through that they, you know, they sort of have to keep the guy and give him a chance because... Once you get past him, it's again, it's you know, it's it's Drake Kajula, it's Tobias Reeder, it's Yamamoto, Ty Ratty, and and Puliyarvi, and I I wouldn't, you know, nobody's certain that any one of those guys is going to be the the twenty to twenty five goals you're going to need from a top six winger. You know, given this this team, and it's probably true for most uh, NHL teams with the cap, but you know, obviously before the McDavid draft lottery. Uh, the owners arguably had more wingers to play with than centers. Yep. You know, maybe is are we being too impatient? Uh, well, clearly, teams are able to turn things around in a dime. Uh, you know, when push comes to shove, and who knows how that magic happens? Well, before the podcast started, you know, Maddie, you and I were talking about why does it seem it's always certain teams that seem to be able to jump in and capitalize on, you know let's say it's Eric Carlson in the case of the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. Why are the Lightning in that position to be able to go, hmm, how can we make, how can we fit him in? And you could see it. But on a team like the Oilers and other teams, maybe it's not quite as easy to picture. Well, I think Steve Eisman comes from the school of, I have no room for this guy, but I'm going to get him anyway. (laughs) I'll worry about that afterwards. I'll get him, and if I have to somehow find a way to get rid of a couple of forwards... Or I have to get rid of, you know, Sergachev on defense, uh, you know, after tr- you know trading for him. So be it. I've yeah. got Eric Carlson. You know, their window in in Tampa. They've been a good team now for about five years, and they want to win a cup. And I think that's the way he operates because he won cups in Detroit. And you know, in the Oilers' case, um, you know, what do they really have to give up for Eric Carlson? 
you know, I guess Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl would be. Dreisaitl, but if you're Ottawa and you're Eugene Melnick, and are you going to trade a player you won't pay $11 million to to pick up a player you got pay $8.5 million to? I don't know how. And you've already got Matt Duchesne playing center. Right, and Carlson's twice the player at 11 yeah. that Dreisaitl yeah. is at 8.5. So, so yeah. you're not really too far ahead. So and it, just, it comes down to winning. You know, you're seeing it in the NBA now with the super teams. The players want to go where they can, you know, you know, make it, make their decent money, and also be on a championship. It's like you know, Pittsburgh and Detroit are not exactly scenic, beautiful holiday destinations, but players go there because you get a chance to win. Everybody wants to play on. You got a chance to play on a team that's going to lose or a team that's going to win. You're going to go to the team that's going to win. So, you know, Edmonton is already starting from a position of weakness just because of geography. And on top of that, you've missed the playoffs 11 times in 12 years, and you're not really sure which way this franchise is headed. Not a lot of players who you know have their eyes set on a Stanley Cup you know, are going to come here. Not until they can prove something, and maybe they will. And a couple of years ago, they had that good run. You know, it, it might be in the cards, and, and if that's the case, then you can get some more players. But as it stands right now, I would, if I was a free agent, I'd be pumping the brakes before I signed with long term with the Oilers. Well, they they brought back two guys who used to play for the Oilers. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Brodziak, and he lives in Edmonton. Yeah, once you're here, they realize it's not that bad. It's just if you've yeah. never been here and you you don't live here, you're just like it's not your it's not your first choice. I mean, and around the league, there's still the perception that the Oilers they'll still make the playoffs. And when you're as close to it as we are, you're thinking, well, McDavid better get 200 points then, because <laughs> you know they figure they should make the playoffs because they got McDavid. But there's lots of holes in this team, and lots, yeah. an awful lot of things have to happen right for the Oilers to make the playoffs. You know, we're talking about managing players, managing assets. You know, and obviously we hear trade rumors and talk all the time about who the Oilers might peddle for what they need, and clearly we've seen those trades being made. You know, during the Shirelli's uh, regime here, Taylor Hall being moved out for Adam Larson, Everly for Ryan Strom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those, that's, that has to happen, too. I mean, you have to put yourself in a situation where, you know, if, the, if you are going to add a player via free agency, a la James Neal, or even John Tavares in the case of the Maple Leafs, I mean, clearly something has to give in Toronto, for example. Mm-hmm. They can't just have all those forwards and no one to play defense. It's kind of like it's, you know, a la the Oilers situation in a way. But, you know, the Maple Leafs are a playoff team, and the Oilers are not right now. Um, that needs to happen, too, but... It's not just going to happen. We can't predict that. Well, Toronto, I mean, Tavares wanted to play in Toronto, so he wound up in Toronto. Um, I mean, I think everybody realizes they got tons of forwards and a pretty good goalie, but they don't have a very good defense. And the puck's going to be in your end, you know, maybe not half the game, but it's going to be in your end enough that you better play better defense than they do. And watching them play last year, they were an exciting team, but they – they kind of remember reminded me of the '80s NHL teams where you could win the game, you know, six four, mm-hmm. and they didn't really care because they got they could score six. But you know that kind of wears on you after a while. Yeah. Well, at least they're dealing from a position of strength. Like they, they're they're a playoff team. Uh, some people are saying uh, you know a cup contender. So if you have to move somebody, you can be patient with it. You can you know work the whole league, and you can also. You know, if you want to get first round picks or whatever, you can sort of you know perpetuate this this strength so it so it lasts years to come instead of uh, in the short term. They're they're in a really really solid position, and it's 
you know, it's not too much to, you don't have to connect too many dots to see that the Oilers could have been in a very, very similar position. You could have had, you know, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Hall, Everly, Nugent Hopkins, and, you know, Matthew Barzal if, if that Reinhardt thing doesn't come down. In that situation, you could, you know, that's as good as top six as has been in the NHL in, in 50 years. So, okay, 30 years. You know, if they could, they could have forgotten. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a really good top six. <laughs> you know, if, you know if they're if they're in that position, you know it's then they're dealing a position of strength, and and they can they can trade you know one or two of those guys for, you know they could be in the Eric Carlson sweepstakes. You could say, hey Ottawa, we'll give you Hall and Everly, and you give us Carlson, and the money would be just about equal, and boom, there's your team. So, uh, you know, it's all these little moves are uh, left the Oilers in the position that they're in right now, where you're nibbling around the edges at Tobias Reeder and Kyle Brodziak. You know, we haven't talked about uh, signings yet. Kyle Brodziak, Reader, and uh, Gravel. What is your take on those trio, that trio? Well, I like Brodziak. I think he's a good player. Mm -hmm. I think he's a solid NHL experienced player. Every team he's been on, well, certainly Minnesota and St. Louis the last half dozen years, he's had a leadership role in the room, even though he's a fourth liner. So he kind of replaces Latestu in that, that way. Good penalty killer. Um, has enough offense to somehow, you know, maybe move up to a third line if something happened to uh, some injuries. And, you know, a million, they didn't pay anything for him. Million one, million two, that's, that's coffee money at free agent time. So, <laughs> and Yeah, it's, they're not very sexy moves, but, you know, Oilers penalty killing was killing them last year. It was a gigantic hole in, in you know, home ice PK was historically bad. And these, these are both a couple of decent penalty killers so if you can shore that area up that's a few more wins right there because the their their penalty killing was just a, a, a total disaster for most of last year so uh, you know they they've addressed that to some respect so you know from and you know, they, they each kick in 12 13 goals or whatever that part of it doesn't hurt they're not making a ton of money so you know for for what he had to work with and what was available who was going to come here he he did okay and uh, are the owners? The owners aren't done yet. They uh, they need to add what at least one more player. Well, I think they need another. Forward. They need another forward, but they don't have a lot of defensemen either. They have seven NHL defensemen, one of whom is Sekera, who's coming off the knee surgery, and hope, they hope that he turns out to be the guy he old yeah. Sekera. They only got five defense healthy defensemen on the minors, and and then Ryan Mantha, who had blood clot in his eye. He's that you know. Um, they've, you know, they, Griba was on the team last year, and so is Dylan Simpson. They're both gone, and they have young defensemen, but they're not ready to play in pro yet. So, you know, Russian Samarukov and and Bouchard, you know, he's either going to play for the Oilers or he's going back to junior. So, they don't have a lot of defensemen either. Maybe they sign another depth defenseman too, yeah. and on a two-way contract. Uh, another Ryan Stanton type to mm-hmm. to uh, help him out. I mean, you know, the, I'll call it the big name still out there that the Oilers could conceivably look at signing is Anthony Duclair, 22 years old, but he's played for three teams already as a depth guy, or maybe maybe more than that. Uh, no, just three: New York, Arizona, and Chicago. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. That's always a red flag for me yeah. when young players keep getting traded. 
they're not getting traded because they don't have talent. There's some other reason they're getting traded. And he had one really good year. He started pretty well in New York, and then it was in the Keith Yandel trade, got traded to Arizona, had one good year where he scored 20, but then fell back, and then last year got traded to Chicago, and Chicago made no effort whatsoever to qualify him after he went there, and which to me is, you know, Chicago doesn't have that many forwards where they could just say goodbye. Yeah, three and teams are saying you're, you're not there's, necessarily there's our guy. There's, yeah, there's something wrong here, but he, he, he can score. So if you're talking about all those players, you know, whether you're talking about Tyler Ennis or, or Scott Hartnell, who's been a scorer, but is a, you know, on his, you know, the gas tank's not empty, but it's pretty close, or Scotty Upshaw or Lance Bulmer or whoever else you're, you're Jason Chimera, anybody else you're throwing out there, um, Tyler Ennis, they're, they're not, they don't have as much ability to score a goal as Duclair does, and Duclair is younger than mm-hmm. all those guys. So I, I don't know, maybe they take a shot at him. I, they'll take a shot at anybody that'll sign for six fifty. Right. Yeah. It's because or seven hundred. Not take a lot a of shot. risk. Not a lot no, of risk. No, it's not risk there. One year. Yeah. I was going to ask if Drew Stafford's available. Every time I, I'm not even mentioning yeah, his name can. this year because that's all I do is take heat for for Drew Stafford. If Drew Stafford would sign for seven hundred, I'd sign Drew Stafford. No way. I would. <laughs> not my money. Seven hundred. How many teams he played for? Not as not as yeah. many as some no, of these no, guys. No. Um, that's all I had. I don't know if there's anything I'm missing here. I don't know. Um, I said, you see, Cap Friendly's already got Al Montoya under the buried yeah. in the minors <laughs> already. I don't, you have to go through camp for that, I think. Don't yeah, there's kind of... Uh, I thought when I saw that, I said, whew, they already made up their mind? I mean, they, they have, I'm sure, but you've got to go to camp first and uh, and see what happens. So Yeah, at least go through the formality. And that's the other thing with him. if They can't afford to lose him either on waivers or trade because they don't really have much in the minors in terms of experienced goaltenders in no. the minors either. A lot of prospects. A lot of no. prospects, but you're going to throw them, say, no. okay, now Stuart Skinner and Dylan Wells and Starrett and whomever else say, okay, you guys, you guys can handle it in the American League. So I don't know. There, there's lots of holes in this. Yeah. <laughs> After being a 100-point team two years ago, yeah. it's hard to believe it. We're looking at it through these eyes now. Yeah, wondering how they're going to patch up minor league goaltending. Well, they had Laurent Passois, but obviously he's moved yeah. on. And well, is he the de facto number two in Winnipeg now? Three, uh, three, because Eric Conry be the two. Okay, right. So, but I mean, you know, say one thing about it: the Oilers had three minor leaguers. You know, American, American leaguers in Dylan Simpson, Lalegia, and Brassois, they got signed very quickly. Right. And two of them got two-year contracts, Dylan Simpson and Lalegia. So, um, you know, they're good enough that another team jumped right on them. Now they're two-way contracts, but they jumped on them. So. Yeah, the last thing you need to see is Simpson and Lalegia playing up a storm in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League while the Oilers are... Well, at least you know your development system is yeah, working. Well, you know, just, yeah, you know that they've been paying attention and they, they quickly jumped on these guys. They didn't, they didn't wait on any of those guys till August 1st. They got them yeah. in July 1st. You know, and then they can go, hey, who's Pro Scout was picking these guys out? Hmm. You can hire that guy. I don't know. Well, gents, uh, I joked, but, you know, golf, golf season's here. 
for you and for the NHLers. Of course, a lot of them have been golfing for a while. Um, there are still some names out there like, you know, Patrick Maroon hasn't signed yet. I'm sure Patrick is saying, okay, now we're now and uh, July 5th, where's my contract? We can't hope that he's going to come in on no. a tryout or a seven hundred thousand no. dollar contract, though. No, there's. I think once you get to August first and you have, you don't have a contract yet, you're already looking to PTO, and you're saying, "Oh, do I really want to go to camp on a tryout." <laughs> That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.